Hello, and welcome to the Go Teach podcast. I'm your host, Val Hill Jackson. I am the principal investigator and co-executive director of Brazos Valley Teach. We have a just-in-time topic today. We're going to focus on the role of advocacy in education. We have a very special guest. We have Ms. Deanne Lee. She is the regional director of advocacy and outreach with Raise Your Hand Texas. Welcome, Deanne. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here today. Well, let's let's get into it. We're going to have a conversation today, and we want to learn more about the role of advocacy in education. I want to begin with you just introducing yourself and sharing maybe a little bit about, you know, your history of being in the education world. Well, thank you. I appreciate that opportunity um, because being an educator is very special to me. I'm very proud to um, have served in education for 32 years. I um, knew early on I wanted to be a teacher. My my mother was a teacher, um, so I always enjoyed playing with her things, her teacher things. <laughs> but it was when I was 15, I knew for sure. My mother had had cancer for a couple of years and passed away one night. Then the next day I got up and went to school because I knew that is where I would be loved, supported. But this was back in the day when um, school started after Labor Day. Mm -hmm. So we had only been in school about three weeks because it's actually 40 years this week that my mother passed away. And at the funeral, even though we'd only been in school about three weeks, teacher after teacher mm. passed by my mother's casket. Mm. And I knew then mm. that this was the profession that I wanted to dedicate my life to because I wanted students and eventually when I became an administrator staff mm -hmm. to know this was a place where they would be nurtured and cared, um, cared for not only academically with their mind, but their right. entire uh, well-being and every part of them. Mm. Thank you for sharing that special story. Two things come to mind, Deanne, that teachers show up for their kiddos, right? Right. And that you um, knew very early on um, that school is a place where you can find normalcy for, for the child. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about your um, role at Raise Your Hand Texas. It has a very special mission and vision. I want you to talk to our audience about that. And then I want you to maybe talk about how that work may have maybe changed a bit in light of the new world we find ourselves in with COVID and the new uh, legislation that's about to be seated. Can you talk to us about the role and the mission and vision of Raise Your Hand Texas? Raise Your Hand Texas is one of Charles Butt's organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, we are nonprofit, nonpartisan, and our entire mission is to make a uh, strong public education system even stronger mm -hmm. through innovative programs and through policy and advocacy. And so um, it's very exciting to me as a 32-year educator, and much of that I spent in administration and in advocacy just on the side as, you know, volunteer. It's just one of those things you you did. Right. I had no idea that other than becoming an elected official or being a lobbyist, that there were actually things that you could do as a career in advocacy. And so I still get to be a teacher and right. an educator right. because now I go out and tell people about um, the education issues and that their responsibility is to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. We we don't want things to happen 
to us. <laughs> we want them to happen for, for us, our, our children, mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. as educators. Mm-hmm. That makes that makes sense. Listen, you know this word advocacy can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people, right? So I imagine you know you're 32 years in the game, but that first year, Deanne probably had no idea, right, uh-huh. what advocacy meant. So talk to me about sort of. Um, how new teachers and even mature teachers can sort of navigate that advocacy space. What what would that look like for them? I think most people associate advocacy with politics. Mm -hmm. And in many people's minds, um, politics isn't always a positive thing. Um, Advocacy to me is about democracy Mm. and the democratic system. And that we should be part of that. So early on for me, advocacy was just making sure I I voted. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was a history government major. I knew the importance of being involved in your democratic system, but I didn't understand how much we needed to be a part of that. Right. So I... Uh, actually joined a, an education organization, ATPE, and and they were always talking about this advocacy and things that we could do to get involved. Right. So I became interested. And so I, I think many times teachers believe advocacy is someone else's responsibility. Right. You know, I, I'm busy with my classroom and then my family and maybe church or other other things that I do outside. And um, I, I don't really understand that. I don't like politics. And so this is it. Someone else can take care mm-hmm. of that. Now, mm-hmm. I would have people come say, now, who, who should I vote for? Mm-hmm. You know, that they were going to do their civic responsibility and that kind of thing. But that's pretty much where it stopped. Mm-hmm. And so I, again, get the pleasure of explaining to people, not just educators, but anyone who supports public education, um, that advocacy, it's not nearly as scary as you think. It's not nearly as complicated or difficult as you think. And it doesn't take nearly as much time as people think it can. Right. I mean, it's my full-time job now, (laughs) but it, it literally, you can make a difference with one minute of your time. Look, teachers don't have enough time in the day. So that that's really good to know. So if we if you had to sort of sketch out what the characteristics, right, are to being advocacy minded, what would you say those characteristics are? Understanding that you have a part of the process. Okay. That is advocacy minded, knowing that yes, it is part of not only my responsibility, but my privilege. Mm-hmm. Um we are privileged to live in a country and a state that um, we live through our democratic process. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But all it takes for evil to prevail is for a good man mm. to do nothing. Mm. So if if we want this culture we live in to improve and to be better, particularly, you know, we all have different thoughts and ideas of what that is. Right. What What is improvement to one might not be to another. But if you don't get involved in the process, someone else is going to determine what better is for you. Mm-hmm. And so being advocacy minded is just the realization that I need to be a part of this process. And what I find with most people is once we um, literally train or open their mind to how easy it can be, right. they get excited mm-hmm. because then they realize, oh, 
I, I can do this and I want to do this, particularly teachers. You, you asked earlier how um, this current environment has, has changed advocacy, particularly for educators. And we spent um, well over the last year talking to not just educators, um, community members and chambers and so forth as well, but in particular teachers, when we would meet with them and uh, we had listening circles. And at first it was about accountability and assessment. Right. Then we asked them this summer questions about um, the workforce, teacher workforce. And so what might be some barriers? What might be some solutions? And just for teachers to know someone was listening mm. and they would open up. Mm. And then when they see the things that, that we are doing with that right. information, we are creating policy, we're supporting bills, and then we're showing them how to use their voice, then they gain that confidence and they see that they truly can and are making a difference. And it's really just doing what they do every day. It's just sharing their expertise with the world. Because teachers so often, um, they're given the idea from the public and from social media that their thoughts don't matter. Yeah. And when we let them know, absolutely, not only do they matter, legislators actually want to hear from you. They are begging to hear from you. And then they get really excited. Do you think that's the only place where educators are hearing that message that their voice doesn't matter? Interestingly, uh, so every year the Charles Butt Foundation uh, does a poll. Okay. They, they do both a Texas poll, which is Texas at large, the, the, the thoughts towards education and mm -hmm. teachers. And then a teacher poll is done, a separate teacher poll where teachers are asked similar questions. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the questions was, how, how do you feel that you are valued by? And um, the first question was, you know, by your colleagues. Mm -hmm. and, and that's higher than ever because, you know, my colleague is someone who understands what I'm going through every day. But then as, as you went, you know, farther away from that personal experience, so in other words, the ad administrator, it went down just a little bit, mm. and and then community, but all the way down to elected officials, mm. all the way down to only 5% of teachers feel valued by elected officials. Mm. Now, I can tell you from my personal experience that it, it's just like, you know, you, you've probably heard that a parent feels very highly and has great respect for their child's teacher most right, of the time right. and for their school. But if you talk about some other school, then that begins to, to their, their thought and their respect goes down a little bit because they don't have that personal um, relationship right. and experience. Right. And so I've, the experiences I have had with legislators and conversations, there's deep respect for teachers, but we all know that that's not everyone. And many times it's the negative voices that are loud. Mm -hmm. But it's also what catches media and particularly social media. Gotcha. And so uh, another one of the questions in the, the Texas poll, right. the respect for schools and teachers has actually increased mm -hmm. in the last two years 
with parents or those who have children or grandchildren or guardian or uh, children that they're guardians of in the school system, it's actually increased. Why is that, Dean? Because they have seen the Herculean effort mm-hmm. that teachers have put forth okay. through the pandemic and after. Mm-hmm. And we've we've all seen now the aftermath um, of the pandemic and teachers each time they, they step up and take care of the needs. Mm-hmm. And, and so the parents and the families see that. Mm-hmm. However, those who do not have children or grandchildren in schools, their opinion of schools has decreased yeah. because where does their knowledge come from? They're removed. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. just social media mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. the negativity mm-hmm. out there. So in other words, those who are closest to teachers and education, their respect and opinion has only increased. Those who are removed and don't have that personal experience, right. it has decreased because of what they're hearing. How can we get to those folks? Because here's my concern that, you know, they are the louder voices in the room, so to speak. And there's a direct connection between how teachers feel valued and how they are retained in the field. So how do we get to those voices, Deanne? And you are 100 percent correct, because that also uh, recently is in in the poll that, um, of course, compensation and benefits. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why teachers aren't staying But the top reason Mm -hmm. is because they do not feel valued and respected. Now, you can't legislate that. We can't pass legislation that says, okay, everyone has to respect teachers. However, some steps we can take, for instance, we have a brand new program called uh, Teacher-Led Advocacy Program. And so it is where we are simply teaching teachers how to use their voice positively on social media, okay, let's counteract. It's kind of like we, we've heard that for every negative comment, right. you need to counteract that with exponentially more positive comments. So we might not can do as much mm-hmm. about the negativity out there, but we can overcome that with positivity and tell our story. Mm-hmm. Because again, what do we think? Well, you know, I don't have the time or, um, you know, that's someone else's job. Well, I guarantee you one of the things I'll do today when we leave here is I will post on social media that we had an amazing conversation about teachers and advocacy and people need to know that we are promoting our profession and what a difference teachers are making. But if we don't tell that story, then others won't. That is a great reminder that we need to get those stories out there and share those great teacher stories. Thank you for that, Deanne. I want to move on a little bit, um, and I want to connect the the role of advocacy to what's going on in the teacher workforce. So you shared a little bit about the the great sort of um, surveys that were taken by, up by uh, the Charles Butts Foundation. But I know there's some other work that's being done by Raise Your Hand Texas. Specifically, there's a recent report called Where We Stand on Teacher Workforce. Um, Can you talk to me about uh, some of the um, um, policy recommendations that came out of that report, some of the big ideas and then the recommendations associated with them? So our sister organization, Charles Butt Foundation, um, they do research and come out with the findings. Raise Your Hand Texas takes those along with 
um, what we have done, such as the listening circles and some of those things that we have done. And we take it to that next step of the policy recommendations. Okay. And and frankly, working with legislators and, and other groups and creating bills and so forth. And so, um, you know, the most startling statistic that that I saw I, and every person that I've talked to, it's not just that 77% mm. of teachers have considered leaving teaching, mm, but it's the next statistic that works in tandem with that. And that is 93% of that 77% have actually taken a step towards that goal. That should scare everybody. Whether that be polishing up their resume, mm -hmm. they've got another certification, they've interviewed for a job. As you said, that should concern everyone. Mm -hmm. That's literally terrifying yeah. to think about what that could do to our democracy, frankly, because um, children can learn in all kinds of settings. But we found from the pandemic that teachers have a purpose in that process. Mm -hmm. We need teachers in that process. Teachers um, elicit that the thinking and the processing and spark that imagination. Now we want students to make the discovery, but someone to That's lead the them to the That's questions. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so with that, then how can we change? We, we so many times, um, you know, we go to legislators and complain but we don't have solutions or recommendations. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I appreciate about Raise Your Hand that we try to do. Mm -hmm. And so one of those recommendations is to offer incentive, incentives, such as, uh, let's say, scholarships. Mm -hmm. uh, college is expensive now. <laughs> <laughs> and so not only do folks possibly not have the money to go, but they certainly can't be in college full-time, not be able to work, and still be able to care for their family. That's right. And so, um, because we are also seeing people in college at older ages now as well. Mm -hmm. And so some incentives such as scholarships or some type of program that, you know, for your service um, as a teacher, we will help you with um, your tuition, things like that. So incentivizing in the first place. Gotcha. But then also a second recommendation is making sure that every single preparation program is rigorous and high quality. Yeah. The programs such as you're a part of, you know, we, we know they're, they're innovative, but they're also somewhat of in the traditional vein of where you are going to school for the specific purpose of becoming a teacher, you're taking these classes, you are observing, you're having your clinical, you have support, mentoring, which is so, so important, you know, all of these things. And we have mounds of research that show that teachers are retained at a much higher rate for those who go through traditional programs. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but most important, that they are more effective in the classroom with students. And so um, it's not that we ob object to alternative certification programs, but alternative certification programs are going to have to equal the, the quality and rigor. And so we do feel strongly that the best route is a traditional program. And so finally then, okay, we have these teachers, they're ready. Right. 
We've got to keep them. Why are they not staying? So part of that, of course, is compensation and benefits. Um, and that's not just salary, although that's huge. And um, we're, we're appreciative of some past legislation that did raise teachers' salaries. Right. However, we are still in the funding of education in Texas in the bottom 10 states in the entire country. And so that's still an area of improvement. But we also have some of the other things like insurance that every time a teacher gets a raise, insurance premiums just eat it up. And so many, um, you know, several years ago, they would teach or um, in the field be a paraprofessional or some other staff position just so their family could have insurance. Well, now they're actually losing money. There is, if you, uh, especially if you add in inflation and all of those things, teachers are actually making less now than they were several years ago. And we're in the midst of the worst inflation we've had in 40 years. Right. And you just, at some point, you have to make a decision for your family. But then we, we also, um, I said, you know, it's not all about money. We've got to have environments where teachers feel supported and valued. And sometimes for administrators, they are put in a position of making difficult decisions that don't always come out best for a teacher. Right. And again, that's not something you can legislate, but good preparation programs for administrators mm -hmm. show or can show how important the culture and environment is that we are, we all have input, for example. Um, one of the, the questions that you know, teachers asked, how often are you allowed to give input? Mm. And most said, most of the time, they don't have that ability to, right. to give input. Right. And that's very important to them. We all wanna, want to feel that we have a part of, I mean, this is my life. Mm. <laughs> I should have a say-so in this. And so those are things that we can teach. And I, and I do believe that... Um, in, in the programs with some of the, the newer educators, younger educators, that they, because they have had those experience experiences where they weren't supported, they want to create that environment. But then finally, we've got to create work environments that are sustainable. I see. What do you mean by that? You and I work hard. Right. We work a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. Everyone does. I don't care what, what your job is. Um, if you're working retail, you have to take inventory. You're going to work some overtime, I, you know, but those are usually periodic. You, you have your busy times. For teachers, there, there is no slower time. <laughs> there is no, um, well, if you can work these hours for this long, then it's going to let up. And There's that no just is, <laughs> there is no let up. And um, it, most teachers put in between 50 and 60 hours a week. And then 41% of them have to go on and have a second job in order to meet their financial obligations. So not only are they working more hours than, than most, you right. know, we, we hear the stories, oh, I'll get home at 3, 34 o'clock. That, that doesn't happen. And now with um, tutoring, and of course most are involved in extracurriculars, yeah. it's like you said at the very beginning, teachers are present mm -hmm. and they want to be there for their kids, right. and they are. But you cannot sustain that forever. You can't physically sustain that forever. Some people say, oh, 
but they, they have all those breaks and they have, you know, summer. And so one teacher I talked to this year, um, this summer, and she, she was a teacher of the year. She got her summer calendar and planned out every single day on her own right. where she could work on her curriculum for the next school year. And she said, I knew I had to plan out the whole summer or I wouldn't have it ready in time for when school starts. And if it wasn't ready by the time school starts, it wouldn't be ready it because wouldn't. I wouldn't have time. Mm -hmm. She didn't get paid for any of that. Mm -hmm. And those are the kinds of things that people don't realize when there's a break, it's a catch up day <laughs> or it's like summer and not only all the trainings, but just on their own. And so, uh, again, sustaining that physically is difficult, but right. also mentally. Mm. We have heard so much about mental health right now. And of course, with our students, but our teachers, they are having a tough, tough time mentally and they need that support. And so part of that, you know, we joke about mental health days. It is not a joke. It's a real thing. It is a real mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so we have to be cognizant of that. And so to create a working environment that is sustainable long term, um, you know, some of us call it balance. Uh, I don't know what the actual term could be, but we cannot have teachers that sustain at 60 hours a week with, you know, it's one thing to sit in a computer or, or sit on a, a, a cubicle. And I'm not saying that that's not difficult, right. but teachers are also, they are responsible for students and for safety. And then they're also answering parent calls and emails and conferences. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all of these other things, you are at a, a high energy adrenaline, adrenaline level all day, all long. day, all day. And so you can only sustain that for so long. Well, I think what a lot of folks, uh, what escapes a lot of folks is the fact that we are a human-centered enterprise. And when you are involved in that human exchange, it can be very taxing on the body as well as on the mind. But I want to dig in a little deeper here, Deanne, and, and you gave a lot of great sort of recommendations and ideas that probably will should be taken up by our legislature. Uh, I'm concerned. For example, you, you noted that we are um, 42nd uh, in the country when it comes to school funding. Um, that's a big concern and that we need other uh, ways to sort of incentivize teaching everything from pay to making sure that we have good health care and great benefits as well. How likely is that to land on somebody's desk and make a difference? I'm an optimist, okay, but I also um, part of, part of what we're doing. Matter of fact, yesterday I was at a legislative summit, and we had elected officials there. We have a lot of good, good friends in the legislature, okay. on the state board of education, and many other areas, and those who are in positions of of influence. And so, once again, what is the picture? that we so often see or what do we hear it's those who are in positions that um perhaps some of their comments have not been as favorable right. for teachers and educators mm -hmm. however i have the privilege of talking to so many every day who they will go down supporting teachers awesome they already have bills in the making and then many times we have um you know bills that have unintended consequences they have the best intention but then when you actually implement it 
in the school, mm -hmm. it looks very different right. and it actually adds to teachers' um, pressure and workload. And so then in, in almost any bill, particularly a large bill, then the next session we have the, the fix-it bill gotcha. that it's going to fix some of those unintended consequences. And so some of those are already in the making. But, but again, that's part of why I'm so privileged to be part of Raise Your Hand Texas because that's what we've been doing. We, our regional advocacy director positions exist so that we can have conversations just like you and I are having today, one-on-one, -on -one, small group settings mm -hmm. where we can receive input. Okay. I literally carry those voices back to Austin mm -hmm. and our policy team receives that information. And that's where these policy recommendations come from. Now, of course, the other part of that is I hope to work myself out of a position. I don't want to always carry your voice right. to Austin. Right. I want to teach you to use your voice where you carry your own voice. And of course, one of the joys too is that particularly during interim, like right now, our elected officials, they're right here. Mm. They're, they're with us in our own district. And mm -hmm. it's a great time to have conversations with your officials. And these days, many more are, are very, very open to Zooms, um, you know, just a phone call, things like that. But as I mentioned earlier, they want to hear from us. They are willing. They also, though, they need to know what it is. Right. It, it, you know, most of them are not education experts. So we can't just say, as we learn as teachers, you can't just say, good job. Mm -hmm. It's, you did an excellent job on your multiplication and showing how you have to, you know, you need a Be little specific. more. Specific. That's right. That's Be specific. Right. Right. And so with legislators, it's the same thing. Right. We need to fix this. Well, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. how, tell me what it is that you need. They need specifics. They need the what. Mm -hmm. And so that's some of what we have been able to carry. And so some of these recommendations, it's it's those details, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that that is where I have my hope. Yeah. Because not only do I know that we have elected officials who do care about education, but I see more and more people get excited about being in the process. Mm -hmm. we, we had a great conversation today about um, uh, educators being involved, being engaged, having a sense of agency. Any barriers you see to the everyday teacher doing that work? Time, mm. time, time, time. And into just, they don't know how. Right. And one of my favorite um, slides or, um, you know, whether I, I hand it out as a worksheet or not a worksheet, but, um, you know, as a, a, a flyer that they can take home mm -hmm. with them. It's if you have one minute, here's here's what you can do. If you have two minutes, here's what you can do. And, and we work up to two or three days. So let's say you've worked your your comfort level up to a couple of days, visit the Capitol. And the great thing about that is so many organizations out there sponsor a day at the Capitol. Mm. You don't have to do any planning. You don't have to do anything except show up. You know, whether that's almost every chamber in Texas has a, you know, Brian Day at the Capitol. And you can join that. Most, um, almost every teacher organization that I know, they have a day at the Capitol. And so you can join those. But, you know, let's, I call it a baby advocate. So let's <laughs> say someone's a baby advocate mm -hmm. and 
you know, there is no way I'm going to talk to a legislator. I, you know, there's just, so it may simply be, um, we have what's called across the lawn. Mm -hmm. It's a newsletter that, uh, you know, four things to know, one thing to do. And it's simply informative. And then that one thing might be what I hope everybody's planning on doing here real soon, vote. Yeah. And so it, there are things like that, that it just, our job and hope and mission is to make advocacy simple, mm -hmm. to show you how you can do it right in the, the comfort of whether it be your home or your classroom, um, you know, on your, on your own time. And, um, so we just show you how you can do that. We also, some of our programs that we've created have been specifically to be an avenue for advocacy. We have a fairly new program called Trustee Advocacy Program where uh, school boards are being trained in advocacy efforts. And it's an 18-month long program. Mm. The one I described earlier about our teacher-led advocacy is a brand new program. We just had the launch um, within the last month. And so we we try to do things like that. But the another reason why I love my job is because I can go to the teachers. Mm. Um, you know, as an administrator, as a superintendent, I, I knew this open door policy, okay, that's wonderful, but teachers don't have time to come to me in, at the central office, come to my office. So I went to them. I was on campuses all the time in classrooms because so many times somebody, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to ask you a question or, oh, hey, we're going to have this event next Friday night. Can you be there? Or, And so when you go to them, and it's the same thing with teachers now, so to help save their time, I go to them, have events for them. Same thing, though, again, churches, chambers, Kiwanis. Anyone who wants to hear more about public education and how to advocate on behalf of public education, we will talk to them. I appreciate that. If we have a, a, an educator uh, who's listening to us right now, how can they learn more? Tell us about the website. So raiseyourhandtexas.org. Um, you can Google that or, of course, get a hold of me. The entire world has my cell phone number at this point, but 903-267-2441. Uh, my email, dlee at ryht.org, and I can get you hooked up and set up, but raiseyourhandtexas.org. We do have um, all the information on there about how you can sign up for the Across the Lawn newsletter or become more involved in these advocacy efforts, you know, some of the tools we have, um, I had a, a board member, he actually wasn't even a board member yet, but um, he went to one of the trainings and signed up for one of the tools. And so during session, when it was activated, he said, that took me like 30 seconds. Who doesn't have the time to do that? I love it. And so it's things like that, that we can, we can show um, people how to do. But like I said, um, anyone needs help. That's, that's why I'm here. Thank you for all the great work that you uh, do for Raise Your Hand Texas. Um, everyone, that does it for us. Uh, we had a great conversation with Deanne Lee. Again, she is the Regional Director uh, of um, Outreach and Advocacy at Raise Your Hand Texas. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for this opportunity and all the things you do for education. Uh, our pleasure. We want to remind all the great educators and the educators-to-be 
especially those who um, are hearing our voice and interested in the teaching field, don't forget to go visit uh, Brazos Valley Teach. That is joinbvt.org. And we want the future educators out there to go be amazing and go teach. Mm -hmm.